some of us this can prompt a whole kind of transformational shift by giving yourself an opportunity to do that work then these these sort of life chapters can prompt a whole kind of new uh, transitions of personal transformation as well as just how you regard yourselves as a couple Welcome to Honesty Box, where we find the answers to the questions you thought were off limits. Hello, I'm Alex Beard and welcome back to Honesty Box at The Balance Club, where we ask the questions that you want the answers to, no judgment and no topic is off limits. As always, if you'd like to submit your own questions for this series, you can do so anonymously at www.thebalance.club. Just click on the podcast option and a question box will pop up for you. Today, we're discussing the topic, how to move on after one partner has cheated. Now, I'll confess, in my late teens and 20s, I took a very black and white view on cheating. To me, it would mean the immediate end of a relationship. But as I've grown up, that very black and white attitude has changed. Life and relationships are more complex than that. I've seen infidelity break up relationships around me, but I've also seen couples overcome and move on. Chatting with me is Emmy Brunner. Emmy is a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, personal empowerment and transformation coach, CEO, author and speaker with more than 20 years experience in the business and clinical worlds. Emmy has also developed The Brunner Project, a social enterprise that funds treatment and opportunities for support to women throughout the UK. Emmy has written for The Guardian, The Independent, Metro, Refinery29, L, and many more, and has featured in documentaries for both the BBC and ITV. Emmy's first book, Find Your True Voice, is out in May 2021. The question that we're pulling out of the box today is how to move on after one partner has cheated. Can you move on, is my first question. Yeah, I think you can. I think it really depends on how you both react to that event. I think for some people, infidelity is such an absolute betrayal. Um, And I think if it becomes something where you get stuck in the only solution or only ability to move forward is the person who's had the affair to throw themselves on their sword take absolute responsibility for it to promise never ever something like this to ever happen again I think people can get into kind of quite sticky situations because there's not really any kind of reflection or growth about in the why something might have happened and people have affairs for lots of different reasons Um, and if you're prepared to kind of be a bit inquisitive about that I think it's a it's a braver option but I think it's the the possibility then for being able to move forward um, becomes a better option or a more viable option for you. I can see though how the person who who discovers that they've they've been betrayed in that way the knee-jerk reaction would be yeah fall on your sword yeah culp to all of this like I am angry but surely that's a, a, a very normal response to that sort of thing. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, any response is a sort of normal response. I think people feel really angry when they feel betrayed and really hurt when they feel betrayed. I think it's about being able to move out of that space. I think what happens for people is they get stuck in that space. Um, And then even if the relationship is maintained, there is always this sense of um, the other partner having ruined what was and it's really really hard to find yourself in a better place from from that perspective so I think it's not about trying to avoid feeling like that it's about whether you can shift out of that space or not and how do you kind of move beyond if you find yourself in that sort of angry spot how do you move beyond that I think by recognizing that a, a kind of an affair or an illicit liaison can be absolutely catastrophic for a relationship but it can also be an opportunity for strength it can be an opportunity for healing it can be an opportunity for you to think about whether your needs were being met in that relationship as well and I think when one party becomes the bad guy um, the balance of power shifts in not a good way um, but it also doesn't leave space for the person who hasn't had the affair necessarily to consider whether their needs were being met so maybe they didn't act out in some way but maybe there was room for for them to feel seen and heard in a way that they perhaps weren't as well so maybe the whole thing needs to be kind of revolutionized and looked at in a completely different way is it ever the case that it's just you know you know, you saying that, that that there's possibly something you should, could be worked on in the relationship before that perhaps meant that there was this the, the that there was this breakdown in the relationship manifesting in infidelity in this time. Is there always that root cause, or is it just sometimes it can't be explained like that? Yeah, some people stray for different reasons. They stray because of something missing in their relationship. They stray because they're looking for a way out of a relationship. Uh, and they stray because of lust you know there are lots of different reasons why people stray in a relationship I think what's really important is to think about what signal that affair is sounding like is it sounding the end of a relationship is it the alarm to say actually this isn't working and this is you know perhaps not the best way but a way of that being communicated to both parties involved you know, or is it an urgent signal to, to kind of fix something that maybe is going wrong in some way? And I think that's it. When, we, when we're a bit curious in the why, even if the why means an ending, it's something to kind of begin to process and then you can kind of move forward. I think when we get stuck in that, that anger, it's so damaging for, for either the person that's had the affair or the person who's feeling betrayed. I guess it takes quite a lot of self-awareness to step back um, and take that bigger overview rather than leaning into anger all the time how much do people around you play into that because I can imagine the scenario of people going someone's cheated on you get rid like that is you know you can't come back from that that sort of outside influence must be very hard to handle when you're going through something so you know intense within your own relationship yeah, I think about, I think we're, so many of us are influenced by the people that we care about and their thoughts and perspective on, on things. Um, but I think it really summons kind of a strength that you have an insight into your own relationship as well. I think nobody knows our relationships better than we do. And I think if you're that heavily swayed and that heavily influenced by people, then that in itself is saying something. 
I think the strongest couples that I've seen that have managed to overcome something like that, it becomes an experience that they both had. It became a crisis that they were both in rather than this thing that happened that you did to me. It becomes something that we have experienced, a crisis that we had to overcome together as a couple, um, rather than something that's been inflicted by one party onto another. Um, And I think when we begin to contemplate the prospect of spending a lifetime with another person, the reality is that we transform, shift, evolve as people. And we either do that together as a couple or we do that apart. Um, And I think an affair or some sort of acting out in a relationship can be symptomatic of part of that transition into another life phase. So I don't think recovery from an event like that is about going back to what was. It's about finding something new, a new way forward. Do you ever give advice or or is there even just one advice? I imagine there isn't, but about who you tell about this. If In the moment that you find out there's been a betrayal, should that be something that you and your partner deal with or work out how you're going to deal with it between yourselves or that, you know, the support network that so many of us rely on is it useful to bring them in on it? Yeah, I think it's really useful to talk about the challenges that we're facing in our relationships. If nothing else, it's just an opportunity to kind of vent. You know, sometimes we we need to chat to our girlfriends about things and we need to get things off our chest in a in a way that's not impactful and have a have a moan or say things that we perhaps don't want to say to our partners and having friendships is a nice space to be able to do that safely um so i think it's really important to use your support system i think what's really something to just be mindful of is making sure that you're safe making sure that you're sharing in safe communities that feel safe for you so making sure that you're sharing things with people that you feel you can trust and who are going to be able to listen and that it's not going to become about them and their agenda somehow i think it's really key in this fictitious scenario how useful is it is it useful at all to bring your children in on that if obviously they're of an appropriate age what advice do you give to couples who perhaps have children or who are a bit older who are going through something like this yeah I don't think it's ever appropriate to involve your kids in the details of your relationship I don't think any of us want to be subject to that no matter how old we get um and I think the role of parent child continues forever no matter how old we are um and I think it's just a burden of responsibility for a young person that they just don't need it's not their responsibility to hold that help you process that help you work that through um or certainly to feel like they have to take sides or make a judgment of over who's done something wrong um or not um I think it's a space, it's a very adult space and it's something for you to process with between yourselves or with the support of a third party or within your friendship groups. So if you're a couple working through something where there's obviously notably some turbulence there, what language do you use around your children? If, children, you know, if children aren't of an age, are of an age where they notice that you know, their, their parents, their guardians aren't doing so well... I think you can let kids know that you're maybe having a hard time and that you're working something through without going into the details of of what's happened. Letting the children know that it's not about them and that relationships have ebbs and flows and that this is just something particularly challenging right now, that 
uh, mum and dad are having to get through, I think is enough information for kids. I think for them to be informed and that there is an issue is positive, but uh, not to go into detail about the ins and outs of it is, is definitely the boundary there. You said earlier, you know, you could work through it perhaps with a third party. Do you think the it's ever possible for people to come through this without professional help? Yeah, I think it I think it is, but I think it depends on how much kind of introspection and work you've done on yourself independently because I think couples who think in absolutes are far less likely to be able to move through um an infidelity into a, a a new kind of type of relationship and sometimes a third party can really help you make that transition. Um but it's it, that is such a case by case. Some of us have done a lot of work on ourselves and some of us, this can prompt a whole kind of transformational shift by giving yourself an opportunity to do that work. Then these these sort of life chapters can prompt whole kind of new uh, transitions of personal transformation as well as just how you regard yourselves as a couple. Obviously, it can also affect... In, in an, of course it affects in a negative way, but in terms of somebody's self-worth, you so often see or hear people who have been the party who've been cheated on really have a wobble about self-worth, understandably. It, it, how can people kind of stop that from happening? I think it's, I mean, it's natural for those things to be called into question. But my my experience of that is that when people go through an event like this and they come away feeling really less than and as though their self-worth has been shattered in some way, are people that didn't have very good self-esteem to begin with, that they were already living with the presence of a, a critical narrative about themselves. And what the affair does is it serves to confirm that person's worst beliefs about themselves and so it becomes almost like a confirmation of of all of those negative core beliefs and that's been my experience so the problem really is why do I have this critical narrative about myself how have how have these situations and these experiences served to to confirm those worst beliefs I have about myself as opposed to this person's decision to act in a certain way has made me call into question my entire value about myself. If you both decide to work through this and, and you move past it, you're able to do that successfully. Is it a case that this is something that's never spoken of again? Is it sort of we've we've closed that chapter, we've sort of dealt with it and we're moving on, this is our this is our new chapter. Does that mean that book's away now? Done, we don't speak of it again. Is, is that the healthy way of dealing with it or not? <laughs> It depends how frightened are are you of it. I think for people who manage to work through something like that and process it, there's not necessarily any need to revisit um, the detail of an event like that because it can be triggering and it could be painful to revisit. But I think that's very different from just having a completely off, uh, out of bounds subject that you absolutely cannot mention because it just provokes too much painful uh, reaction and response and I think when these life events sort of get banished from the uh, the history of our relationship it's 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 almost kind of ignoring the fact that something like this happened I think being able to refer to a difficult time um, and acknowledge that they were there were hard months or years that you worked through is yeah is a, a far kind of more measured way of being with it is there such a thing as steps? What, you know, if someone comes to you, a couple comes to you and there's been 
and infidelity on one person's part, what are the steps people should follow? How do people start to work through this? I think getting out of a place, as I said, where you're seeing things in a very black and white way, like I'm the victim, you are the perpetrator of this, and that's it. And I think a lot of people are drawn into a therapeutic um, setting initially because they want their pain to be validated and they're looking for support as well to kind of for somebody to have to own what they've done um and i think the mistake sometimes in a therapeutic perspective is to use this as an opportunity to try and help the couple work through something and ultimately stay together and i think it takes courage on all parts to to use that space as one to examine what what were the benefits of the affair like why was somebody drawn into that relationship are there things there that could be kind of nurtured in the the marriage or the 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 longer term relationship other things that we can learn from that um so sometimes it's really helpful to work with a couple one-on-one in that situation as well and and be able to explore something that might be a bit more painful to to do as a couple the old adage which is so often thrown around when there's cases of infidelity is once a cheater always a cheater you know and i know that's a very sort of paintbrush painting everyone the same color but is there is there any truth in that? No, I don't think there's any truth in that. I think some people find it particularly difficult to make, you know, uh, monogamous commitments to people. Um, and if that's a pattern that they have, then that's a pattern that they have. But I think that people make mistakes and people find themselves in situations that they just couldn't possibly have anticipated even after having been in very happy relationships for a long time. You know, people are complicated and we have complex needs. And I think what's really key for each of us is to have a certain knowing of who we are and to be kind of attuned to what our needs are and conscious of who we are as people. And then we can almost preempt some of these more catastrophic or destructive things happening before we find ourselves suddenly waking up in a situation we're not sure how quite we got there yeah that was I was going to go on and ask that is that obviously people on the whole can't predict if someone's going to cheat in any way but are there ways of looking at your relationship to see if it's it's solid enough or you know like you say should we be looking at things before they get to the point of breaking I think certainly we can pay attention to our relationships and nurture them and not take them for granted to think about whether our needs are being met in the relationships, whether we're listening to our partner's needs and their attempts to communicate with us. Um, And also, I think as time passes and we get older, just consistently doing that, being mindful of taking care of one another as we make a decision to kind of go through this journey of what it is to be human together um nurturing one another um but also recognizing that people fall in love and sometimes things happen and we can't control everything and it's extremely painful when it happens um but it does happen like that um and i don't necessarily know that that's always a reflection of something being wrong in the relationship i think that's what's painful about this experience is that there isn't a formula um, as to when or why exactly it may happen sometimes it just does what are the common traps that people can fall into when they are when they've discovered an infidelity in that way I know you said obviously anger and focusing on the victim and the perpetrator are there any other ones that you sometimes see I think just um 
holding on to a, a sense of punishing a partner forever. So staying in a relationship, but only doing it um, under the circumstances or the threat of uh, this never happening again. And you are lucky that you are still here with me in this relationship and I will punish you forever for that. I think it's just the worst thing for, for both parties because you both end up stuck in this kind of purgatory situation where you're not able to move forward, either of you, either by embracing the relationship in a new light or by letting it go. You're kind of stuck in an angry place where you're constantly punishing somebody for something that they did um, and punishing yourself ultimately. It's pretty brutal. So is there ever possible, have you seen it happen where people move beyond and have fully recover from that or even better, have a stronger relationship from that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it sometimes it can really provide a catalyst for people to do that work on themselves and in the couple, um, in the couple relationship. So it can really prompt people to be much more introspective. Um, and it, it takes courage to do that. It takes real bravery to do that, to think about what part you may have played in why uh, an affair happened um, or, or what, whether you were meeting a person's needs, whether they were able to communicate with you fully what they needed. And for it to become a more reciprocal um, experience, um, takes a lot of courage and as you say you know when you're in that angry place like being able to press forward past that point to do that work is a is a brave thing to do I think thanks Emmy that's a really positive thought to finish on thank you so much it was great to chat to you today and as always thank you for listening and we'll see you back here next week <laughs> <laughs>